gợi ý rồi And begins by stating the Raya of Abraham and Yitzchak. I appeared before or to Abraham, to Yitzchak, and to Yaakov, Mikhail Shaddai. That's one form of, uh, or as we understand in Kabbalah, it's one level of, of the revelation of the light force of God. But Ushmi Hashem, I was not known to them. Of course, we also understand that Lono Dati is not referring to that they didn't know that there was a Eitzachayim or there was no level of tetragrammaton. So obviously, when we have the idea of knowing, we know that it refers to the connection connection. In other words, a connection that existed between Avraham, Yisrael, and Yaakov was on another level, a lower level. And on this, the Zohar begins with a very interesting uh, comment. By David Elohim al-Moshe, Rababa Patach, Bitchu Vashem Adei Ad, Ki Bika Hashem Tzur Olamim. This is a verse in Isaiah that says that one should have Bitachon, or faith, Adei Ad, until, as, as we usually transfer it, we translate it in a literal sense, Forever. Because with the UK of the Tetragrammaton, Suralamim, this is the way the world was established. Explains the Zohar, and we'll shortly understand what, what the relationship between this verse in Isaiah and the verse in uh, the opening of this week's Pasha, how they relate one to another. The whole world has to strengthen themselves in God and and be certain with Him. What does that mean? The whole world should believe in him. How do you believe in something you've never seen? How do you understand that uh, that even that there is an existence of a, of a of a upper being of a, of an all powerful being an all embracing being? When when certainly in our daily lives we do not experience that kind of uh, force, that kind of unifying force that we would like to relate to. To, uh, to God, and it just tells us, this is what we have to do. So the Zohar continues, so it came out, Pedusho Shel Adayad. Wouldn't it have been sufficient to say, you know, have faith in God? It says, Adayad. Until forever. 
ומישיבים, זוהר אנסס, אלא צריך שיהיה תוקפו של אדם במקום שהוא קיום וקשר של הכל. והוא נקרא עד, says Rabbi Ashlag, we're referring to Zeir Ampin. In other words, when a person is to achieve, and it appears that's the purpose, as if, well, one day we'll, we'll have complete and true faith in God, and uh, this is what we strive for, and one must strengthen his belief in that, Of course, those are, those are, are empty terms. It's like telling someone, stop smoking. So everybody stops smoking. There's a sign up there that says, uh, smoking may be hazardous to your life. You see everybody reading the sign, and there it says it's according to the Surgeon General, meaning it's even been tested and so on. What happens? Everybody stops smoking. That's not the case. The sign hasn't influenced Anybody, those who even have stopped, have done it on their own accord, not because a certain general has established that it could be injurious. People feel uh, there's a possibility, maybe, and why take the chances? But it is not because the surgeon general said, now look, everyone, you've got to stop smoking because it's hazardous to, your, to, the, uh, to the health, to your health. That, that, that doesn't convince anybody. What the Zohar says, to make this connection to certainty, we have to understand that there is a place known as Ze'erampin. That one should eat ad. In other words, it doesn't mean ad until or a place where Where that's, that's where you can go until there. Says the Zohar, Ba'ad hazeh, Umakum hamiyachal, hamiyachet, Lutsadzeh, Ulutsadzeh. So the Zohar, and Rabbi Ashak then goes out to explain, so I'll read what Rabbi Ashak says and then explain it. Ba'inu shukavam sa'i. To understand, it is not a uh, precept, believe in God, believe in God, but rather to understand, says the Zohar, that there is a unifying force in this universe, which is the central column, which we understand to mean restriction. What the Zohar is trying to teach us as to how we can arrive at certainty is not just by believing in God and God will take care of everything and God will take care of all of our necessities, all of our needs and consequently we have no, no longer any fear and we 
know that it's not true. Not true. You just look at, at the history of the Jew and you find that uh, those who had complete faith, complete faith in God, nevertheless did not avoid uh, the disasters that have befallen uh, the Jews for the past 2,000 years. Says the Zohar, but we must understand that within ourselves, within ourselves, there are two parts. We have a right column and we have a left column. And as I've always said, we're all schizophrenic. We have two parts, two aspects to ourselves, two aspects that one is in direct conflict with the other. So, should I go, should I do this? Should I do that? Why do we have the doubts? Well, a thinking man has doubts. Not true. Not true. Even if you're not a thinking man, don't worry. There are two forces within yourself. One tells you, go ahead with it. And the other one tells you not to go ahead with it if you never thought twice about the subject. This is a robotic consciousness that has been included at the time of our birth. Whether to, to follow this direction or that direction. And therefore, the uncertainty or the request from Isaiah that we believe in God is not that, well, what is God? God, according to the Zohar, is Zerampin. What is Zerampin? It is the place where everything is embraced in one unified whole. That's God. Therefore, says the Zohar, just to believe in that concept or believe I want to become attached to that concept cannot and does not exist and cannot exist provided we ourselves are recognized that within ourselves there are these two conflicting forces and so to connect with God you have to have a similitude with God. You have to have an affinity with God. How do you have an affinity with God? Even if I want to have that affinity with God, as long as there is conflict within myself, and I am not, I am not unified within myself. What does that mean, unified? The two parts of me. Part that says yes, the part that says no. If I have not been able to combine these two, then I haven't, I haven't connected to God. Where is God? Somewhere out there. No, God is right here. We write in, in, in Kabbalah. He, uh, that every, every person is a part of God. Every person is, has God within himself. What does that mean? That if we succeed in, in, in bringing together, and to bring together these two columns, these two aspects that conflict with each other within myself, then, and how do you do that? through the central column. This is the uh, force that synthesizes these two opposing forces within ourselves. Once we have established a unity between these two different forces, then, says the Zohar, then the forces, the light force that is within the positive and the negative of me, because why do I think positive or why do I think negative? When I say negative or positive, I'm only saying, do I, do I think I should proceed or do I think I should not proceed? 
when I say I should think I should not proceed, meaning that's a negative force. It's not a bad force. On the contrary, it's advising me that this would not be the right course. Do not follow that course. Is that negative? No, that's not negative. It's merely stating another revelation of the light force of God, which says, and who is speaking? The light force of God is speaking, saying, no, no, this would not be, this would not be advantageous if you followed that course. So it has nothing to do with some God out there. It has to do with the forces that channel God. Like we've always explained in the bone. You have a right pole and you have a left pole. What stimulates? What arouses? What motivates the left and, uh, and the right and the, and the left pole or the positive or negative pole in the bone? Electricity. Electricity is channeled whether it be right or left, positive or negative. The, the force remains the same. Electricity. So too, so too is the light force of God. It, it, it is channeled through a positive pole, through a negative pole, through our positivity, through our negativity. Negativity not meaning that is bad. On the contrary. I, I, I haven't had any food on the table, so I think, well, maybe I've got to go out and steal. Along comes a voice in myself and says, no, stealing is not something that's moral. Then I'm told not to steal. That's negative. That's negative. No. That's negative. Positive is an affirmative decision. Yes, go ahead and do that. Whatever it might be, that's positive. So either one, either one represents the light force. The difference is how this light force is expressed. So the light force within us is there. It's present. But unfortunately, unfortunately, the, the, uh, says this, or the only, the only method that we have that we can join and bring together these two opposing views, and therefore we have uncertainty, is because there are two opposing views. However, if these two views can be brought together as one unified whole, then you have certainty. So it is not a question of, you know, believe in God. So we're told, you have to have faith. What is that? It's empty words. Have faith. Faith in what? In God. Well, where is God? How do you have faith? Do you think God required that we have faith in, in Him when we have no, 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 uh, no rational, at least the rational mind has no conception of what that represents? And therefore says this all. It's true. We are not required. We are not required to believe in God. We are required to do anything. However, all it is stating is there's an axiom. God is an all-embracing whole. That's the force of God. That force is within you. Not out there. Here. Well, there is such a force? Yes. Because from your experience, you're always torn between two sides. When you join those two opposing forces, you express God. You express the light of God. What does it mean you express the light of God? Positive is expressing the light of God and negative expressing the light of God. However, when these two forces remain, remain 
fragmented, separated, meaning each one, each one dominates it at specific times. Each one prevents the expression of the other, meaning that's when we're uncertain, to create the certainty, because that's what is meant by God. Adeyad. And then you have this, this eventuality, you have this certainty. How? If you, if, and that is how we make our connection to God, is when we bring together these two opposing forces. So, when it says here, Be'ira el Avram el Yaakov Bekel Shaddai, says the Zohar, that when he was saying, Hashem lo nadati lahem, Sha'olam mitkayem bishmo hakadosh. How does the world maintain stability? Of course, we have never practically seen any stability in the world. But there are times that individually we feel fairly content. There are times when, although I guess it's rare, and I'm trying to remember when throughout the world there was a sense of, of uh, tranquility. Not since, not since the destruction of the temple, even today, uh, I don't know, I don't recall where I read it, but there are, there are 36 conflicts always going on in the world. All the time. Small ones, big ones. 36 numbers significant. Meaning that the world is not in harmony because if it was, then this kind of, of atmosphere of, of conflict could not exist. Why doesn't exist? How can we, how can we bring the world into uh, a structure of balance, into a structure of tranquility? Says the Zohar, only through tetragrammaton. With these two letters, the Yud and the K, the whole world was created. is what? The unseen world. is the familiar world that we see around us. When these two are brought together, the UK is brought together. Because the UK, as it's, as it's explained in, in, in Zohar and in the Ari, well, these, these two letters are in constant unity. The Vav and the K is the problem of the tetragrammaton. What he is saying, Ushmi Hashem Lona Dati Lahem, does it mean that Avram was not on the level of understanding the tetragrammaton. He was a chariot. He had a connection to the world of Etzachayim. However, until, until Moshe came along, until Moshe came along, this idea was not expressed in the world. Yes, 
Avraham was fully familiar as to the existence of a tetragrammaton. Avraham knew how to connect to the tetragrammaton. However, the world, the world, the familiar world as we see it, did not experience the Yudkei So, when when the verse begins off by saying, you see, I I appeared for uh, to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, Bekel Shaddai. But my name of but the name of the Tetragrammaton was not known. If you look throughout Genesis, do you ever see the word or the or the uh, the name of God in the form of Tetragrammaton mentioned? All the time, always mentioned. It says God spoke to uh, God spoke to Abraham, or God spoke to Isaac. Right here, we'll take one, one place here in uh, in uh, in Togot. In uh, chapter twenty-six, uh, verse uh, two, Vayeda elav Hashem, and there was a famine in the land of uh, Canaan, and God says, "Do not go down to Egypt where there was food." Vayeda elav Hashem, Vayeda, the same expression as it says here, Vayeda, and there it says specifically. Who appeared to Isaac through the form or the level of the revelation of the consciousness of God in the form of the Tetragrammaton? So, what does it mean? And the name of the Tetragrammaton was not known to them, says the Zohar. It was not established in the world. It was not established in the world. What does it mean? It means that there were three individuals, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. But the people, the world at large, had no idea. Consequently, the fact that Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov all were familiar with this level of, uh, of, uh, the, of God's consciousness, that level was not known, was not established, because these Three people, by and within themselves, could not establish the, the the force of unity in the world. It would have to wait until Mount Sinai. It would have to wait until the Jews themselves became familiar with the methodology by which they would connect with, with God. Other than that, it is not known. It is not known to us. How many people believe that God exists. They may say they believe in God, but what does that mean? We've always said the fact that they do not use the expression, I know God. Say, I believe in God. The fact that you say, I believe, you're already expressing a doubt, whether there is God or there isn't God. When you say, I believe, there is uncertainty. I know expresses the form of certainty. So therefore, says the Zohar, 
when it says that the name of, of the tetragrammaton was not known to them, meaning they, by, by, the, by virtue of themselves, could not establish that presence. And so, how would we know if God is present? How does anyone know if God is present? When a miracle happens, what does that mean? It means the normal, familiar world, in the way it's expressed, was not expressed at that moment. And we say, there occurred a miracle. What we're in effect saying, the idea of, of unity, the idea of certainty, the idea of harmony, when a miracle occurs, meaning chaos did not occur. That's what we refer to when we say a miracle appeared. We're not referring to, again, uh, a supernatural event, because uh, a uh, volcano is is not a normal event. An earthquake is not a normal event. Is that called a miracle? So, in our vernacular, miracle, we, we would prefer, we prefer, is, uh, to, uh, to, uh, refer to a miracle as a supernatural event. But that would not be a, a correct definition. What we're in essence saying when a miracle does occur in our lives, ah, there was no chaos. But an earthquake, that's a miracle. It's a supernatural event. Man cannot duplicate a miracle. Consequently, an earthquake should be considered as a miracle as well. And the answer is no. An earthquake is not a miracle. But it is a supernatural event. Therefore, the, the idea of miracle, as understood by the Torah, is the uh, definition of Ness, which is a concealment. Ness constitute, is, is constituted of two letters, the Nun and the Samach. The Nun is 50, the Samach is 60. That's a, that is 110. 110. Says the, uh, says the, uh, Zohar. Ness means when you combine the, the level of Zerampin, which you know in the Tetragrammaton is 45, and Adne, which is the familiar world that we exist, which Alav Dalad Nun Yud adds up to 65, 65 and 45 is 110. So Ness is a concealment. There is no definition, or there is no word Ness. I once explained them, I mean, not here. The word Ness in Hebrew comes from what word? Vayinasu. To run. It has no association with, with a concept called miracle. In fact, it's a corruption. Ness means running. Now, how do you associate a miracle, a miracle, with running? The answer is, beside its concealment, that at the time that a miracle occurs, we're referring to this familiar world of chaos has leaped, has leaped, or ran away to where? To the world of Etzachayim. It has left the familiar world of chaos, of Adne, and now has become joined, connected, unified with the 45. 45 meaning the way the Tetragrammaton is spelled out in Zerampin, if, if you're familiar with that. I hope you are. Therefore, 
the idea of miracle for us establishes the idea that at that moment Adne, which is the familiar world of chaos, the world of Etzadat, the world of, of chaos, that world has taken a quantum leap into the world of Zerampin. It's fled from this familiar world. And therefore, this world has lifted itself into the level of Etzachayim, where the world of Etzachayim is, is one of certainty, one of, of tranquility, one of harmony. That, that presence, that presence, that presence can only take place when, says the Zohar, the whole world, that the entire world recognizes and connects and it has a consciousness that there is such a world which is referred to as harmony, peace and tranquility, the absence of chaos. Therefore, we associate America, we associate good fortune to a miracle where the world normally is full of chaos and suddenly, suddenly, out of this chaos came what? Harmony. The absence of chaos. In other words, someone driving in a car and it was inevitable that that chaos was impending. There was a car coming in the same lane and suddenly, by virtue of some, what we refer to as some miracle, that chaos did not take place. A miracle took place. Meaning, the world of chaos, the world of chaos did not, did not reign at that moment. The world of harmony, the world of peace, the world of certainty. And so, this parsha, this parsha <coughs> begins with with the expression of the era as a tetragrammaton that the world should experience, the world should experience this kind of, of, of tranquility, this kind of certainty, can only take place when, although if you're Jewish you forget, but when miracles happen in our lives, someone scans the Zohar, and a miracle happened. Unfortunately, we forget. But what does it mean, a miracle happened? In other words, where we had observed some form of chaos, this chaos, which was inevitable, someone, God forbid, had cancer, and it disappears. We've had hundreds of cases like that. No explanation. The explanation could have been that it would have disappeared without the reading of the Zohar. That's a possibility, and we cannot deny that, nor do we deny that. But what a miracle to us generally means is the what? the absence of chaos or the conversion the conversion of our familiar world of chaos into another behavior meaning control over this familiar world of chaos this is what Yud Kei Vav Kei means and therefore the Torah begins 
with this with this uh, preface because well, why did we need why did we need the the uh, this introduction? After all, what are we really concerned about? We're concerned about what God says. We're going to take the Jews out of Egypt. That would be a miracle. We're going to take the Jews out of Egypt. Then what's what's the difference with how he appeared to Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and how he's now going to appear to to uh, Moshe? Of what concern is that? When in essence, all we are concerned with is when are the Jews going to leave and 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 uh, establish their freedom, achieve their freedom in the world. And therefore we learn from the, from the Torah that I will shortly quote the Zohar. Goes and tells Moshe and, and Aaron what? Go create a miracle. <clears throat> What's a miracle? In other words, transform the natural order of, of this world as we know it. Transform it. In other words, take a stick throw it before Pharaoh, and the stick becomes a snake. That is called a miracle. Now, why is that defined as a miracle? What is our definition of miracle? When we have, when we can, when we take an aspect of this familiar universe, which to us always represents, and has always represented chaos. Remember, as long as you live in this familiar world, there is only one thing you can ever expect. Only one thing. Chaos in your life. That's what this world means. Chaos. When miracles occur and you seem to uh, flee from this chaos, then it happens once in a while. But that is what is meant by miracle. The natural law and order of chaos. Because there is order to chaos. There is no such thing as randomness. That's even been established by science. The world of randomness, oh, it happened out of nowhere. There is no such concept as randomness. Even when chaos takes place. Just as when we do not plan and something great takes place in us, something, something of, 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 uh, of tranquility, of order, takes place in our life. You say that might be a miracle. Where the norm, the norm is chaos. Chaos meaning randomness? No. That also follows a very particular pattern. If someone is struggling, business, one year, two years, five years, seven years, it's chaos. Things are happening, can't explain them, etc. Understand that that chaos is not randomness. It's not the opposite of order. That is not what's meant by chaos. That there is no order. There is law and order in chaos. When something occurs in the form of chaos, it is, it is primarily and directly connected with and associated with man's action. If he had performed or if he had entertained or become involved with some negative activity, 
The law of cause and effect exists. What is the result of our negativity? Stealing, murdering, etc. The effect of which is chaos. But not that chaos is something which does not, is not confined to the law and order of cause and effect. Chaos belongs to that same principle as the law of Zerampin or the law of Vetzachayim. That, that other world that we, we, uh, we uh, aspire to, to achieve some, some, some semblance of, uh, of order in our lives. I use that word. But that's not correct. Because there is law and order in chaos. Oh, it's something we would prefer to do without, but that does not imply that when chaos does take place, it's a form of, of randomness, it's without planning, it comes out of nowhere. There is no such thing. That is the world of Alav Dalad Nunyud, the world of Adni, the world of Malchut, the familiar world that for us always means chaos. But then again, who says that our familiar world must comprise itself of chaos. If this world, this world, can become connected with the same law and order of the Tetragrammaton, then the Tetragrammaton, which is the cause of Adne, if you know the the way the evolution, the evolution of the of the Tetragrammaton evolved. Yud K Bav K. Therefore, you jump back, you remove yourself from this world of chaos, meaning that when I steal, Shalom, then I must, there must, of necessity, be and will occur the laws that refer to cause and effect. There will be a negative effect. That's law and order. Absolute order. However, if at any given time, prior incarnation, present incarnation, I've been, I've been, I become involved in some form of negative activity, and now I want to avoid, I want to avoid the effect. So we are being told in this pasha, in this pasha, you can convert. This world, this world of law and order, you can break into its procedure. You can break into, you can disrupt the procedure of this world and turn it around, or what we refer to as a miracle. You can. And therefore, all of a sudden out of nowhere, and it, it doesn't seem to follow the sequence, and Moshe, and Moses, and, and God tells, uh, uh, and Moshe, Moshe and, uh, Aaron come to Pharaoh. But Yashlach Aaron et Mateo, because God already had told him that when you come to Pharaoh, take your stick, throw it before Pharaoh, this is in, uh, chapter 7, uh, verse 9. And the stick will turn into being a snake. That is not the natural process of this world. A stick does not relate to a snake. A stick has no connection to a snake. That means we're disrupting 
the world of law and order, aren't we? And the answer is no. It seemed as if, because we've, we've just as, uh, according to the Zohar, that this world of Adne is being brought together, together with the world of the Tetragrammaton or the Eitzachayim. Well, how does a stick become a stick? Is it inanimate? Whatever that means. Turns into a snake. Into a, a living creature. Into a snake. I will read the Zohar on, 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 on this particular uh, subject. But the idea that a snake and a stick are two separate and distinct entities, separate and distinct entities, again, evolves only from our consciousness of the familiar world of Eitzadat. So it's like, I, I think, a, a one, well, not, maybe not here, but Kabbalists have, have known to, that when they had a cup of tea in front of them, and uh, they, they wanted to have it sweet, how sweet they weren't sure, what they would do was not take a little piece of, uh, of the sugar and put it in, and you try it. Well, no, not sweet enough. Uh, they, you know, normally, what we would do is then, oh, add another. We, in fact, say in advance, give me two, 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 two teaspoons of sugar. Right? Then I know it's it's, it's the right dimension of, of uh, the sweetness that I'd like to have in my tea. But what they would do is take the cube, look at it, drink at it. No, not sweet enough. Well, let me take another dose and drink, and they had uh, sweet to the level that they were looking for. But we don't understand something like that because the eye and, and our taste buds are two separate and distinct instincts. Right? We have five, five instincts. That is only because we are the world of Etzadah, of, of, uh, this world of Adne, Alev Dalad Nun Yud, has an, an appearance, has an appearance as being fragmented. Has an appearance of being fragmented. However, within this, this domain, the world that we call chaos, which is incorrect, because chaos for us means something I'm not happy with. Something I would prefer to do without. So that's called chaos. But that is not Chaos meaning things are happening in a random nature. No, everything is structured. Whatever is taking place is destined to take place. The same way as when we plant a seed. If it's an apple seed, ultimately we will, we will find an apple tree. We'll have an apple at the end. Because in every aspect there is law and order. There is law and order even in this world. But this familiar world doesn't seem to contain any form of law and order. It is only because in this world there is another dimension 
called fragmentation, which presents an illusion as if things are separated one from another. The snake and the stick that we consider to be two separate entities, two separate beings, a stick and a snake. The idea of a snake being separate from a stick is what we refer to the illusionary, the illusionary force that has also been added, another ingredient that has been added to this world. Not that this world is without law and order, but when we suddenly see things happen that is not to our liking, it is because at that moment things are fragmented. The idea that things are not in, uni in unity, that things are not unified, there can be a stick and there can be a snake. So when the Torah begins this week's parsha of Ve'era, and we said, what is Ve'era? What do I have to know about what happened with Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and, and how with Moshe it's going to be different? What, what's all this preface about? And so we studied the Zohar, and the Zohar explained what that meant. It was combining the two worlds, which both have law and order, but removing what? One ingredient. Removing the ingredient of what we refer to as illusion. Separation. We should all be, if we all like sugar in our coffee, we should all be able to look at the coffee. You don't have to worry about gaining weight, etc., whatever sugar means. We should be able to look at that cube and enjoy a sweet cup of co a coffee or a sweet cup of tea. But we do not have that ability, so we think. We exist here for the first time, the Torah. Here for the first time, we have a miracle. But that's not what's meant by miracle. Miracle, now we can define, before we define it in terms of taking this level, this familiar world as we know it, combining it with the world of Etzachayim. What does that mean, combining with it? Meaning, transforming this world of separation, this world that has a curtain that is called illusion. A curtain. You know, it's like if I flip a, a coin, heads or tails? Heads or tails? How could, I don't know. If I remove the hand, I know for his heads or tails. Now, what happens? Is it is it already known whether there's heads or tails? But I'm uncertain whether it's head or tails. Is that right? Because I am uncertain. Does that create uncertainty? It's not known whether it's head or tail? Of course it is. It's known. Nothing's going to change in the way this coin lies on my hand. What I've done is remove the curtain. Then what was there to begin with? which I consider to have been in an uncertainty stage, all of a sudden, oh, now I know it's either heads or it's tail. But the head or tail did not appear when the, he when the hand was removed. The head, let's say the coin was heads, it was head. Whether I had the, my hand concealed that quarter or it didn't conceal the quarter, then what was the objective? 
How can I remove what? The veil. This creates illusion. This hand creates illusion. As if, I'm not sure. I don't know. But it's already known. So the objective is to remove this illusion. Can that be done? Yes. The illusion that only my taste buds can understand if there is, if this tea is, is sweet or not. And that my eye cannot because that's the five senses. We've been told since we're little children there are five senses. That's incorrect. Each sense is combined of all the others. Every sense, every sense should be able to detect what every other sense detects. Different levels maybe of understanding. So here for the first time, when this miracle occurred, and he took the stick, and it became a snake, what was the significance? Wow! We've never seen a stick turn into a snake. That's a miracle. No. Not a miracle. Because we have been, successfully, we have been programmed into understanding that a snake and a stick are two separate entities. Whereas in reality, whereas in reality, they are the same. One day, this curtain will be taken away. When this curtain will be taken away, what was always there will now make its appearance. The unity of things will appear. The unity, which is the Yudkei which is what we refer to as the world of Etzachayim, will make its appearance. You mean suddenly a miracle occurred, and now the wonderful world of tranquility, the wonderful world, the wonderful world of, of law and order appeared? No, it was there all the time. But there's something that is preventing ourselves. That force. What is that force? This hand that I said covers the quarter. It separates my vision from the reality of the quarter. That's all that is involved. The heads of the quarter is known. I can see is known, except there's something there that prevents a curtain. So when we address a miracle, when we address the idea of combining the two worlds, the world that appears to be full of chaos, the world that appears to create pain and suffering, is there as long as that I permit that curtain to remain. But this week's Pasha is teaching us not only motion, Miracles have happened in our lives. Supernatural things have occurred in our lives. If someone recovers by virtue of a miracle, how do we interpret that idea? So someone recovered by virtue of a miracle. On the contrary. He had, he had been, the, the health had been there only waiting for it to be, have the, the, the curtain be removed. And there it was. Yes, he's well. He was well even while he wasn't well. He was well even while he wasn't well. This can begin, can begin, I don't want to dwell on it, can begin for us to understand 
the idea that when when science says what you observe what you observe is what exists if you observe this chair if I feel the five senses tell me I'm sitting on a chair it is therefore the chair's existence if I got, get if I remove myself from the chair and I do not see the chair the chair does not exist how, how could that be and then if I turn around I see the chair the chair does exist how how could within moments or seconds the chair turn from being a non-chair to becoming a chair how how can that idea be understood very simple very simple because the fact that I'm sitting on a chair or who says I'm sitting on a chair but we must break through that barrier I say it's supported by science but if we can break through that barrier then you have this world under control you have this curtain that separates but your fulfillment you know what you know what satisfies you I mean if someone has a family he's got to put bread on the, on the table and he doesn't have a job then it's quite obvious you have to pay money to buy food he needs money to buy food he doesn't have that money that need is obvious but as we have always said in this class the money is there why doesn't he pick it up why doesn't he pick up the money go into the store and buy it but what does he say what does he say there's no money and what do we say there is no money or there is money except there's a curtain that he can't that he can't see the money wait a second what do you mean if there was money we would see it don't you understand you don't see the quarter is the quarter there there's a curtain that says you don't know if it's heads or tails such an elemental factor as saying I don't know whether it's heads or tails because something conceals it the same way as the fact that we need a chair to sit on the chair is there because I wanted the chair to sit on well then why does someone have to bring me this because I have been trained to understand that uh, if you don't have this you can't sit is that true have you ever seen people without a chair sitting no never seen people sitting without a chair show me how you can sit without a chair what? But is there anyone here? Oh, you, you have you, your legs are not that strong. You never seen someone sit down without a chair, sitting midair? No, bending your knees and you're sitting. No, isn't that called sitting? Do I, you want me to demonstrate how that's done? How about you all understand what I'm saying? But we can sit without a chair. Yeah, but how long can you sit without a chair? Well, go to the gym and you'll see you work out your feet are strong and so on you may even be able to sit longer than someone can sit on a chair some people must get up from the chair right sitting too long did you ever hear that expression sitting too long 
What do you mean you're sitting too long? No, I must, I must stand up. I can't sit this long. What's called sitting? What does the chair contribute? Sometimes someone could be sitting without the chair and be comfortable with it. Someone could be sitting on a chair and be uncomfortable with it. This, this is called the realm of illusion. Whatever you have, and however you have programmed your mind is the way your life will be established. If you decide, have a court case, and we're assuming that morally and ethically you're in the right, the case has already been decided in your favor or not. If morally and ethically you're correct, then we're not going to wait for the decision tomorrow. We don't have to wait for it. It's like waiting until I remove this hand to see if it's right. There is law and order in every aspect of this universe. I hope. I'll never make it happen. I know. Because morally and ethically, and anybody who comes to me and tells me he's going to have a car case, I just, I can never help you. I can never help you in in deciding I don't want you to misunderstand because we can't decide can't decide can't decide what goes on in some court in Chicago I know that I say I know that's what I think but all of us can decide what's going to take place wherever that court case is well how can you all that is necessary I'm talking from all experience about a very important court case that's been going on for five months. It's one of the largest court cases that have ever taken place in the United States. And I'm deciding it. What do you mean I'm deciding it? Well, first I investigated the moral and ethics of that court case to the best of my ability. If morally this person is in the right, there is law and order in this universe. So, we're not creating something that's going to change the law and order. We cannot change law and order. Law and order, when you say, ah, it worked out in my favor, no judge decided in your favor. Well, how will the judge decide? He has no choice in how he's going to decide. It's like the quarter. Don't you understand? It's all been established already. The question is, if you are morally correct, then the decision must be in your, it's already been, not it will be decided in your favor, it has already been decided in your favor. But, but, that's provided you, you're aware that the, that it's been decided. But, if your consciousness is, well, I don't know if it's heads or tails, and you don't add that extra mile of, of consciousness. When you say, I don't know if it's heads or tails, and you do not add, but I know it, it's already known whether it's heads or tails, you mean I, because of my fragmentation, because of my separation, because of this veil that can, that can overwhelm my consciousness, my, my 
consciousness of separation. Because am I separated from that quarter? How far am I from the quarter right now? How far am I? Can I remove this at will? Yeah. So I have control. If I have decided, and this is what Aaron did, that the snake, does it contain a snake? Of course. There's unity. What does it mean the stick contains a snake? And the snake contains a stick. The reason we have ideas of snake and stick is because our own consciousness is fragmented into different parts. But if we understand everything is unified, the only thing that is exists in this world is cause and effect, and even that is unified. Cause and effect is unified. It doesn't mean this follows that, or that cause is separated from from the uh, is the apple separated from the seed. Is the apple separated from the seed? Some of us will say yes. Here's the seed, and there's the apple. Is that correct? This is a very, if we can establish this, then we'll understand clearly, rather than just read a wonderful story about a miracle that only, of course, probably Moses could have, could have achieved. Is taking, or Aaron, taking a stick, thrusting it down to the floor, and there appeared a snake. This seed, within that seed, is there an apple? Yes? Now, some of you think maybe not. Then I'd have to ask you, where did the apple come from? So we've already learned in Kabbalah. But what we haven't done yet, maybe in Kabbalah, for some of us, is we, o- we only understand intellectually, intellectually, that the apple already is included in the seed, or not where did it come from. So we learned that part in Kabbalah. But now in your in your actual life, do you understand the unity? Do you feel the unity? Is that part of your consciousness? That the apple is not separated from the seed. But wait a second. The seed we planted 20 years ago. And now for the first time, the apple makes its appearance. Now, what, what is this world all about? To give us an opportunity to see things as separate and distinct one from each other. But at the same time, as we learn the Eira, what happened to Eira? He saw. What, what did he see? He saw or again brought together what appeared to be fragmentation. The curtains that appear to separate things in this world. Wait a second. They're not separated. That fragmentation exists only in my own consciousness. If that, if that does not exist in my consciousness, then the seed and the apple are one. The chair can change from moment to moment. Why? If I say the chair is not there, because I placed the curtain. When the chair is there, and I live in that consciousness, now the chair is there, now the chair is not there. Now I have money, and now I went bankrupt. It is the same idea. It is the same idea. There is no such thing as I had money today, and tomorrow I don't have money. No such thing. 
The reason that I, I think that there is no money because I created some negative activity. And therefore I created a curtain. But there is no disappearance. Because disappearance means what? Fragmentation. Is there fragmentation in this world? No. Why, what are you talking about? I can't hold the cube of sugar in my hand. Yeah, because, because of whatever our activities may have been that created curtains in our life, created separation, created that my eye and my taste buds have become separated. But, if my consciousness, and I have learned today, that this idea of separation, and separation is not a fact. That's why we say it's an illusion. Why do we say it's an illusion? Because there's a curtain that doesn't let me see it. If I remove the curtain, I would see it all. The illusion. What we refer to illusion, an illusionary state, is when we create some form of negativity in our lives. We therefore create the curtain. And now that money is not there. The money is not there. Is the money there? It's like the quarter. Is the quarter there? Of course I know the quarter is there. But you don't see the quarter. Oh! But you don't see the quarter. This is very simple, but what is difficult? I say there's a billion dollars right over here. Why don't you all come over and pick it up? Is it there or it's not there? It's not there. I'm telling you it's there. I'm telling you it's there. Well, if it's there, then why can't we come over and pick it up? Because in effect, the power of separation, the power of separation, the power of that curtain, that curtain creates separation so that we are fully convinced that it's not there. But if we can begin to understand that chaos does not exist in this world, see what Moses did? Oh, well, of course, Moses can do that. The Torah is not coming to tell us a story about Moses' greatness, about how Moses can create miracles. Talk about us. Now, what do we need the story? You heard the story last year. How many times do you want to hear the same story over and over and over again? Each time it's giving us, when we hear the scroll read on Shabbat, that's the power. That power of removal of the curtain. That we are told in this week's Pasha that man has, has the opportunity, man has the ability to remove his curtains. Of things that seem to be distant, like the money is distant, it's not there. It's not there. I need money and I don't have it. The first consideration is that the money is there. Oh, you mean I'm going to convince myself about something that's not there? Don't you see the tricky place? I'm telling you the money's there. But the first thing you have to do is say the money is there. Now, what's your difficulty? I'm telling you the money is there. Don't you see it? 
Does everybody have a problem with that? Everyone see the money? You don't want to be convinced that the money is there? That's the problem. But I don't see it there. And I'm not going to just hallucinate. Right? And say it's there. No, we cannot remove the curtain unless we remove that negative activity that caused the curtain. So when we say someone had been wealthy and then he had financial uh, financial uh, reverses, does it mean the money was taken away from him? No. no. A curtain was placed on that money to the extent that he believes the money is not there. That's how powerful this curtain is. But Moses, whose consciousness turned away from that, from that illusion, turned away from that illusion. That illusion did not have, did not have that effective consciousness. Therefore, God says, take the stick, turn it into, because it includes a snake, it includes everything. How do we know even today that it includes everything? What is 99% of a snake and what is 99% of a stick? The atoms? They're both the same. 99% separate something? If they both have the same, 99% of the same ingredient, you're telling me that the 1% makes a difference? Even logically. Even logically. It shouldn't sound right. If I have a cup of water, I have two cups of water. Two cups of water. And I add 1% of cream soda in one, 1% of cream, of, of strawberry in the other. And then I add 99% of strawberry. What will they both taste like? What will they both taste like? Strawberry. But this one has 1% of cream soda in it. 1% is gonna, is gonna overcome or, or overweight the, the 99%. That's the same idea as when we try to imagine as, as things are separated. As a stick and a snake have nothing in common with each other. How did he create such a miracle? Because everything is inclusive of everything else. Says the Zohar, And Moses and God tells Moses, tell your brother Aaron to take his staff, his stick. So Aaron the Zohar asks, Moses had a staff, Moses had a staff, and Aaron had a staff. And here God says, Tell your brother Aaron to take his staff. 
ויאמרתי אל אהרון, קח את מצחה והשלט לפני פרעה יהי להטמין. the stick of Aaron to be used and not the stick of Moses. ומשיב, אלא שזה של משה הוא קדוש יותר, כי נחקק בו שם הקדוש בגן עדן העליון, ולא רצה הקדוש ברוך הוא לטמא אותו באלו המטות של החתומים, שהיה צריך לבלוע אותם. If you remember, if you remember, the next verse it says, that uh, Pharaoh called his wise people, his magicians, and what did they do? What did they do? They took their staffs, the magicians, took their staff, threw it down, and you know what happened? They turned into snakes. So that wasn't the miracle only of Moses. It was a miracle that even the magicians of Egypt could perform the same feat. So it was no great miracle. In other words, these people understood the principle that everything is everything and everything is like everything. And everything is part of everything. Their consciousness dictated that since this stick contains a snake, it contains an apple, it contains everything. Because it contains the 99% of everything else. It's that 1%, that 1% which we refer to in Kabbalah as illusionary. Why do we refer to it as illusionary? Is it not a factor? Is this not a, 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 a uh, tablecloth that conceals the table? Is this not a factor? And the answer is yes or no. If I decide that, I, that there is no tablecloth, some of us would have to do what? Do this. Now there's only a table. No tablecloth. Because I have control over this. Some, some with their minds would say there's no tablecloth. You mean there are times where we can look at a tablecloth and say it's not there, and it's not there? The answer is that happens to us even when we don't want it to happen to us. Even without our consciousness. I want to tie a package, and you've heard this in the classes. I want to tie a package, I have the string ready. And what happens? You run all around your home looking for the string, right? And you come back, and where is the string? Right there next to the package. Is that correct? Now here you didn't even have a conscience to say, string, you're not there. Is that right? There was no consciousness to say, string, you're not there. What happens? That string can disappear, even when we didn't even ask it to disappear. Now what happens if we ask the string to disappear? Oh, you mean then it won't disappear? Listen to yourselves. Listen to the logic of Satan. Of course. Well, Satan, how do you explain that I didn't... I, I'm, here I'm tying the package, and the string is right there in front of me. And I run all around the, run all around the place looking for the string, and I come back, and there it is. How do you explain that? What does Satan do? He says, don't explain it. You might clarify things. Leave it alone. So when, so when the robber's going to tell you, listen, 
Think the tablecloth is not there. Think the tablecloth is not there. That's impossible. That's impossible, you see? That's impossible. It's only impossible because we are not convinced that we, that we have the ability to take this tablecloth and turn it into a table. Does it have the same ingredient as a table? Exactly the same. Well, maybe not exactly. Only 99% of a table. Does this contain 99% of a table? Yes! So why isn't it a table? No, it's a tablecloth. That's the power of what we call the illusion. That's the power of Satan. That's why the Pasha is called the Eira. To see. Because there are laws. When I understand that this tablecloth, this tablecloth is also a table. It's not a cloth of a table. Yes, it's only concealing the table as long as my consciousness dictates. This is supported by science. They do not understand it. They do not understand it. How can we say that this tablecloth exists as long as I determine its existence? Remember, let's begin with that premise if that influences you. This tablecloth, according to science, if you decide that it's not there, it's not there. Of course, did they ever convince themselves of it? Never. Why didn't they convince themselves? Because they don't understand the principle. They don't understand that this tablecloth and this table is not two independent structures. Just like the Zohar says, why would we use Aaron and not Moses? Why did we use his death? But as we explained already, how do these miracles happen? How could, how could the, the, the magic makers of, 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 uh, Egypt perform the same feat? But there was one distinction. What was the distinction? Now listen carefully. I, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to tell you what the Zohar says verbally. Listen carefully. The magicians of Egypt threw their staff down and it turned into snakes. Now we have the snake of, of Aaron. We have the snake of the Egyptians. The next five words says, And the stick, and the stick of Aaron swallowed up the stick of the Egyptians. Isn't there something missing here? Everyone understand there's something missing? Where did the stick come from? Where did the stick come from? So we're asked that question. They both turned their sticks into snakes. It should have said, Ira, the, the snakes turned back into the stick, and then the stick of Aaron swallowed up the stick of the Egyptians. It doesn't say that. It says they both thrust their staffs down and appeared snakes. And then immediately the stick 
of Aaron swallowed up the stake of, of the Egyptians. Huh? What happened here? Where are they? The reason, and here it seems, what does the Zohar say? Why? Remember he began off? That's the clue. That's the clue. The Zohar begins off by saying, why didn't we use Aaron's? Why did we use Aaron's? Why didn't they use Moses? You know why? Because he says, it had, it was Yotek Kadosh. If you read that Zohar, Moses' stick was holier. Why? Because, and, and it's incomprehensible, he nechkak bow in the stick of Moses was inscribed the holy name in Ganet, upper Ganet. What does that mean? What does that mean? He's too holy. And it said, So he didn't want the staff of Moses, which was so holy, to come in contact with the staff of, of the Egyptians. What would happen? You mean, if the stick of Moses swallowed up the stick of, uh, of the Egyptians, this would become Tameh. Come unholy. What are you talking about? Sticks become holy. Sticks become unholy. What is this all talking about? But what he's telling us is the stick of Moses, the stick of Moses was at a level there was, he couldn't turn it into a snake. You know why? Because when can you turn something, when can you have money and then you lose money? Which world is that? Only in the world of illusion. In Moses' world, there was a stick and there was a snake. They were there, both present at the same time. There was no such thing as a stick. There was no such thing as a snake. The 99% was so evident in both that they were both unified as one. This feat could not be performed, says the Zohar, with the stick of Moses. You, you wouldn't see magic tricks. You wouldn't see when the magician has a, has a scarf in his hand with the egg. Gone. Right? Gone. Before you saw it, and now you don't. This doesn't exist. That's illusion, isn't it? You know it's not gone. Just, it's somewhere, but, you know, here, there, wherever. But we know it's not gone. That's called a trick. Moses' staff, there was no such thing as it's here and it's not here. It's ever-present. The concept of snake and stick didn't exist in the staff of Moses. It is in our imagination as we see this magician make a, a, a scarf and the egg disappear. Did it really disappear? We're all smart enough to know that maybe his hand is quicker than my eye, but it didn't disappear. Why are you so convinced? Why are you so convinced? And when I tell you that there is under this tablecloth all the money you had before, all of it is under this tablecloth, do you believe me? No. Why don't you believe me? 
Why don't you believe me? Because you don't believe it. Why don't you believe it? Because Satan has done such a great number on us that we feel the incapability of creating miracles. What, what, what we refer to as miracles. It is because this has all been embedded in this imagination. That's why we, we can learn all of these things in Kabbalah. All of these things. All of these things. But until we begin to, to, to take this idea of what, what we refer to in the classes, illusions and the world of, of illusion and, and the world of reality, it's a chayim. Until we begin to make use of that, well, what will people say if I say, you know, there's a million dollars under this table called, what will, what will my friends say? Well, don't tell your friends. I mean, if that's what you're worried about, what they'll think about you, don't tell them. Keep it to yourself. But before you begin to have that consciousness, no, not there. <laughs> right? You know why there's nothing there? Says the Zohar. Because you know there's nothing there. You know there's nothing there. If you thought there was something, not if you thought. If you knew there was something there, it'll be there. Oh, okay, I know it's there. Oh, no, it's not there. Well, wait a second, stupid. Maybe there's, maybe it's spread out. It's not in coins. You can't feel it. So immediately you thought it wasn't there, right? That, that's what happened over here. To tell us that this idea of snake stick, it's, the stick swallowed up. When it says that they, they threw it down and created a miracle of a snake and they did the same thing, that was not a miracle. Because that consciousness of Egypt at that time was there as to where we're hoping to, but there was one difference. One difference. Their stick, their stick had the power of negativity. The power of illusion. The reason he swallowed, his swallowed up because Moses, Aaron was coming from another space. He was coming from the space of, of this world, but with the ability to swallow up the illusion. Egypt was illusion. Egypt was illusion. When I say illusion, they were talking about the curtain. They knew there was a curtain. They wanted the power of the curtain to remain. That was the power of Egypt. But along came Aaron, who knew there is no such thing as a curtain, swallowed it up. Because the power to remove illusion is more powerful than the power to retain and maintain illusion. That's why it says it went right into the, the end result. Why does it tell us the power and the ability of removal of the problem, isn't it? Oh, then you learn here in Kabbalah, trying to uh, heighten your awareness. Well, listen, don't you understand? There's such a thing as called energy force, potential. Oh, we got a word potential. Even that's a confusing word. What do you mean potential? What's potential mean? What does it mean? This little seed has an apple. Does it have the full, the full apple in the seed? Yes or no? What's the answer? Yes or no? 
The answer is, of course. And not where did it come from? Where's the nutrients in the seed? Where's the water? Where's the earth? You understand? All that is part of the confusion. Just the opposite. We can't escape. We almost can't escape it. Your question. Right? And I was going to say, you know, you're right. We need the nutrients. We need Mother Earth. You got to water. If there was no rain. No. I mean, it's in the seed already. What do you need all these things? If you need all these things, how could it be in the seed? Is that correct or not? Yes or no? <clears throat> it's not that simple, right? We, maybe we don't need nutrients. Maybe we don't need the rain. Maybe the rain was there already. Maybe the nutrients were there already. I don't see it. This is this is the consciousness we're coming to. This is the consciousness we're coming to. And therefore, nature is the biggest illusion. Nature is the biggest illusion. And you know why science used to say, well, how do these things happen? There's a force called nature. You're right. That's the force of illusion. To convince us that it's a force of nature. We don't know what that force is. We're still looking for it. And we even explain the force of nature in the Talmud Esosvirot. That force still is there. Didn't this? However, but it's illusion. Illusion. Whatever, whatever you come to believe without a doubt and I'm not saying that's easy I'm not saying that many of us may never come to it many of us may never come to it do you know why we won't come to it? give you an example give you a slight example and I don't want you to take the example because the problem with an illustration is now you think that's it so an illustration is now going to conceal a little more revelation, more concern. In this court case I was talking about, the decision came down contrary to what I knew the decision should be. Contrary. There it is. So the two people involved called me and said, Rob, decision was handed down to me. I want to go into why I felt this way I said if Moses came down and told me that the decision came down today I will not believe him those are the words that came out of my mouth those were the words that came out of my mouth that if Moses what's, what's the rough talking about <laughs> Moses came down and told him you won't believe him you've gone so far astray on <laughs> motion Moshe Rabbeinu will come and tell me in front of me and say, I knew, I knew that, that Satan will tell me that Moses is there, but Moses is really not there. And four weeks later, there's total confusion in that court, and still nobody knows, including the judge, if the decision has been handed down. <laughs> 